All right, so we are diving back into the Believer's Authority. And um, I have the, pat, the verse, uh, verse, Mark 16, verse 18. Um, I'll read this whole passage, Mark 16, 15 through 18. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and they will drink. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And so today I'm going to do verse 18. I'm only doing the first half of it, though. Uh, the part that says they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. So today, I decided that we'll put it to practice. We'll do some serpent uh, wrangling and some poison drinking. No, just kidding. Just kidding. We're not going to do that. Um, Anyways. So as a reminder, just a few things uh, in this uh, series we've been doing. A believer is anyone who holds a strong belief in the truth of something. So that's just the basic definition. Whatever you believe in. All right. You hold a strong belief in the truth of something. Uh, Authority is delegated power. The right to command and to enforce obedience. So a police officer has been given the authority to command and enforce obedience in their municipality or county or wherever they're overseeing. Maybe given that power by the government. So we have authority. The Lord has given us authority to command and enforce obedience over the spiritual entities of this universe, and uh, we have authority over demons, over principalities, over powers of the air. Remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against those things. Uh, Power is the ability to act or produce, and is strength. Another one I want to add to this for today is the word signs, and I have it up there. So the way you say that Greek word is semion. Everybody say myon. Signs means miracle, or say myon means miracle, sign, token, and wonder. And what are signs used for? Shout it out. Notify people of a direction. (laughs) There it is. To notify people of a direction they are on or the direction to go. They point someone somewhere. How many of you are appreciative for signs? How many of you have been in an airport, like a big airport? you know, like down in Houston or whatever, and it's just massive, and you're like, thank God for signs. We need signs, right? And then sometimes you look at the sign, and you're like, I'm going the wrong way. you got to turn around and go find the right sign. So signs, they, they notify us. And it's important for us to remember that these signs are just that. They're signs. These things that we're talking about, the believer's authority, they're signs. They're meant to be signs to notify people of a direction to go. That's what they are used for. They're not superpowers, though I wish I had some. Uh, I would love to fly. That's always the one I want to go to. For some reason, I just want to fly. Um, Anyways, Uh, they're not superpowers. They are not even gifts that we can use at will. Like, you can't just do them whenever you want. 
These signs are granted by the Holy Spirit as he wills to be performed by believers for the purpose of pointing people in the direction they are to go toward Jesus. That's what these signs are for. And these signs are used in conjunction with the purpose of the Great Commission, which we're going to talk more about. And it's important for us to remember that because it's really easy to forget about the Great Commission. I know I do it frequently. I'll spend a whole day not thinking about the Great Commission at all. But the Lord, the reason that we're still on this earth when we accept Jesus, ultimately, the biggest reason is to go tell people about Jesus. You know, it's not to build... The Lord has given us wonderful things, and we want to build our homes, and we want to build our families, and and, and, and um, live adventurous lives and all those wonderful things. And the Lord wants us to. But if they, take, if they come first before the building of the kingdom of God and the Great Commission, then there's priority out of whack. We need to keep the Great Commission in the, in the forefront. The more that, just like we read, the more we seek first the kingdom of God and build his kingdom, the more he adds all the things to us. He'll add your family. He'll add your house. He'll add all of the excitement and the joy and the peace and all the things that you have need of when we go with him. Jesus called his disciples to go with him to perform these signs and to build his kingdom. So I don't want us to lose sight of that. So Mark 16, 18, they will take up serpents and, they will drink, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. This is not the first time Jesus has made this statement or at least part of it. In Luke 10, you can write this down, Luke 10, 17, we'll read 17 through 19. Jesus had sent the 70 to go do their missionary journeys. And it says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. So we get to add scorpions to that. So we'll bring in the scorpions now. And over all the power of the enemy. So we take them up, the Bible says, take up serpents, which means to pick them up and to remove them, and the power to trample on serpents, to trample on them and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And this is such an interesting verse. You know, like, he's using the word serpents. He's talking about drinking poison. You know, is it, is it like figurative speech or is it literal? You know, is it over physical things or over spiritual things only? It's very interesting. And it's also a very interesting verse that he has here because when he says you have the authority to take up serpents or trample on them, that means they're serpents. It's like a warning. Like, hey guys, you're going to face some serpents in life. You're going to face some scorpions. You're going to face an enemy. If you drink deadly poison, what does that mean? That means someone's trying to poison you. It's either on accident that you drank something or it's on purpose that somebody tried to poison you. Which means he's telling us, hey, Get ready. There's stuff that's going to come against you. He tells us, be, uh, he tells us, you will face trials and tribulations on this earth. You're going to suffer. 
There's all this stuff. John 16, and then he says at the end of it, verse 33, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Don't worry, guys. I've got you. But this verse is a warning for us to tell us, to, I shouldn't say a warning, it's more of a preparation for us to get ready for things that might come against us. And God has used uh, this sign throughout all of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, believe it or not. And it's in most of the Bible stories that we love. So starting, though, in the New Testament, I just want to mention a few. Paul on the island of Malta. How many remember the story of him being shipwrecked? Which is amazing testament of, you know, protection. Because this verse that we're talking about is all about authority and protection and deliverance from attacks of the enemy that come against us, whether they come through spiritual means or whether they come through physical means. In this case, Paul was being attacked on a ship that was going to be shipwrecked, and the Lord saved all of the crew because they listened to Paul, because he was listening to the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 28, 1 through 10, I'll read this. It says, Now when they had escaped, then they, found, they then found out that they... Sorry, that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because, because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle, a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. How quickly they flip, right? How quickly do we flip, right? In that region, there was an estimate of the leading an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius. What a cool name. Don't name your kid Publius, guys, okay? (laughs) I will make fun of him, just saying. Okay, Uh, Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery. Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when, he, so when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. And so we see in this story, Paul actually takes up a serpent. It's on accident. He didn't do it on purpose. But he took up a serpent. And it poisoned him. He had both experiences. And God delivered him. And he used it as a sign to let the people of Malta know hey, there's a God on this earth. And so then Paul had the opportunity through the power of the Holy Spirit to also lay hands on the sick and heal them. This is a powerful story. The Lord has promised us this promise. And the interesting thing is, Paul, as we know, was all about the Great Commission. And he was all about building the kingdom of God and seeking first his righteousness. And when we do those things, we can have confidence that the Lord is going to take care of us. Another story, Old Testament, David and Goliath. You can find this story in 1 Samuel 17. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But a lot of us know the story. David, or the Philistines are coming against Israel. And David 
sees Goliath, and all of the people of Israel are afraid of Goliath. And he says, what in the world is going on here? I'm going to have none of this. And he goes to, to, to uh, Saul. I'll read this. 17, uh, 1 Samuel 17, 31 through 37. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, because David was getting in a tizzy and saying, no, this isn't right. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go. And the Lord be with you. And then we know the story. David goes out. He kills Goliath with a stone. Chops off his head with his own sword. Done. But in this story, we see David come up against multiple serpents. Right? The serpent wasn't actually a snake in this case. It was a lion, a bear, and then a a giant man. And he slew him down. Because the Lord was with him and delivered him enabled him, gave him the authority. We see David walking in this authority. And David was on a mission. He was going to become the king of Israel. His heart was thoroughly engrossed in the heart of God. He sought first the kingdom of God, and the sign followed him. Another major one, story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many love that story? That's in Daniel 3. Let's see, I'm going to read part of this here. So we know the story. Nebuchadnezzar and the, builds this giant idol of himself for everyone to bow down to. These three men say, no, we're not bowing down to him. I'm going to read the part of, that they actually say to him at the end here of the message, or towards the end. Um, but in verses uh, 25 through 27, the men have been thrown in the fire, and listen to this. Daniel 3, 25 through 27. Look, he answered. This is King Nebuchadnezzar. I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the son of, man, a son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar, when he went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps administered administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on, the, on whose bodies the fire had no power. The fire of the, the, the hair of their head was not singed, nor their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Man. They came up against a serpent, King Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> and the demonic spirits that were influencing him. They came up against Deadly poison came in the form of fire. Very, very hot fire. And the Lord delivered them because they would not compromise their God. They sought to build his kingdom and demonstrate his power 
And so the Lord used this as a sign, and on multiple occasions, King Nebuchadnezzar experienced signs from the Lord, and ultimately, King Nebuchadnezzar came to know God. He finished out his life serving God, the king of Babylon, who took over Israel, which means this man who did all these wicked things got saved, ultimately. That's powerful. What a sign. The Lord wants to do these signs through us so that way we can lead people to him, so that way we can build the kingdom of God. Last one, Daniel in the lion's den, Daniel chapter 6. We know this story. Daniel was a man who prayed three times a day. He served the Lord, sought first his kingdom, never compromised. And he had favor with all the kings he served under. And yet, well, it caused the governors and the satraps and all these other rulers within, uh, at that time, it was the Medo-Persian Empire, to really hate him. So they were like, hey, King Darius, let's make a law. Don't let anybody worship anything other than you for 30 days. Well, King Darius actually really liked Daniel, but didn't think about it when he signed the decree. And so Daniel had to be thrown in the lion's den. And let's see what happened to Daniel. Daniel 6, 18 through 23, I'll read this. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting because he was so distraught about this. And he cared about Daniel. So he went fasting and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have no hurt, so, they, so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. You see another serpent in the form of lions. The Lord shut their mouths and protected Daniel because Daniel sought first the kingdom of God because he cared about the things of the Lord and he sought his face. And so with this message today, there's three things I wanted to do. There's one, encourage us. I felt we need encouragement. And then I'm going to talk about some preparation. And then I'm going to offer a challenge to all of us. But the encouragement that I want to offer us is this. Be encouraged. God has protection for you as you go about the Great Commission and as you face persecution for his name. The promise of protection and authority is one of the greatest signs that there is and that there is a God in heaven. And it is a powerful testimony that lasts lifetimes. Which is why we're still talking about these things. There's other ones. The story of Esther. Moses delivering the people of Egypt. Or people of Israel out of Egypt. I mean, there's so many. And be encouraged. Let this sign be one that eliminates fear in our lives. This sign is one that should eliminate fear in our lives. We are people who fear suffering. And we do everything in our power to avoid suffering, even though Jesus tells us that, his follow, that as his followers, we'll have, that we'll have to embrace it. 
This should eliminate fear. There's lots of things to fear. There's the mass shootings. I'm going to talk about some big things here, right? Mass shootings. That's a big fear. There's fear about pandemics. We're going to talk about that in a second. There's fear about, I don't know, economic collapse. There's fear about, you name it. There's lots of them. Lots of things for us to be afraid of. Lots of things to keep us from talking about Jesus. Lots of things to keep us from going out of our our houses. The Lord promises us. When we seek his first, to seek him first and build his kingdom, this is a sign that will follow us. Obviously, you can't make it happen. But we see that the Lord is faithful. We should not ever be afraid. We should always be confident in him, that he is going to take care of us. No matter what comes, he will protect us. And we don't have to be afraid to go to a store because we're going to get sick or because uh, somebody might pull out a gun. The Lord knows how to protect those that are his. He knows how to, to deliver them from the enemy. He promises to do it. <clears throat> Daniel 3, 13 through 8, uh, we're going to read 16 through 18. This is the response that I want uh, to share from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because I believe the Lord, with these, the believer's authority, he wants us to get to a place where we fully trust him. And in verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answer, answered and said to the king. So the king threatened them to throw them into the, the fire. They say, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. It's so powerful. The type of faith that they had to trust God no matter what and not compromise their faith. I know the Lord wants us to be men and women like that. More and more and more. To just continually trust him and not be afraid of anything that comes our way. Because he wants to do signs and wonders through us. He wants to show people his power. Paul didn't come with fancy words, he says, but with the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to see that happen in all of us. I want to see his miracle working power. I want to see people come to know Jesus. There is nothing greater than that. And so with this sign, I want to take a moment to prepare us. And I, I feel like I can come and bring some kind, sometimes some like heavy messages and some heavy thoughts, maybe some deep thoughts that might make us feel like, ugh, I don't know if I really like this, you know? And uh, that's not at all what I want to do because I feel the Lord uh, really, he wants to prepare us for the things that are coming. And I asked the Lord, you know, why have we been doing a series on the Believer's Authority? And why have other churches, as we've talked about, been doing the, the Believer's Authority? And why did Pastor Jason also feel a real need to share his Christmas message on New Year's Day about God being with us. And 
I was in the shower a couple weeks ago after Pastor Jason asked me if I, uh, to preach this topic, and I asked the Lord that, and the phrase and came to me, and it rhymes with 2023, which a lot of things do. We have debt-free in 2023. Amen? Uh, at Men to Men yesterday, Rich Horniman, it was uh, get free in 2023. Is that how you said it? Yes, get free in 2023. There's lots of things that rhyme with 2023. What was the one that you just said this morning? Just a couple seconds ago? I think it had to do with getting free. Yeah, get, I think it was get free. All right, so this phrase, as soon as I asked the question, came to my mind. In 2023, you're going to need the believer's authority. In 2024, even more. I really believe that. I don't know what this year's coming. I don't know what's coming next year. I don't know what's coming over the next few years. I don't know what's coming tomorrow. I don't worry about it because tomorrow can worry about itself, which we just read. So I'm not going to worry about it. But we still need to be prepared. That's why we have to focus on these things, these signs and, and, and God's word. <clears throat> yeah, but I don't know what's going to come. But I do know that just a few years ago, in one second, everything changed, and the whole world went flip-flop. And COVID hit, and I mean, it shook the whole globe. Like, there wasn't a country that was not shaken. The Bible says the Lord in the last days will shake everything that can be shaken. Even the church, and the church was shaken in a really bad way. And lots of churches have not recovered from it. Lots of pastors have quit because of it. Lots of churches have closed because of it and we're three years in and we have this like normalization but we really what's happened is a fear came upon the earth that we have never seen at least in my lifetime I mean you probably have to go back to World War II when they thought like you know atomic bombs and all that stuff but um, a fear came upon this earth that guys it has not gone away it might seem like oh things are getting better now no, people will just get normalized to fear. Now they're, they're in this fear mode where it seems like they're, we're back to normal, but no, there's still a lot of fear. Every time someone gets sick, you got COVID? Should you take your test? You know, walk by somebody, I'm afraid. I mean, literally every time I go to the grocery store, I always get a wet wipe and wipe my handle, which I mean, there's things that you should do. I mean, it's just common sense to clean stuff, right? But at the same time, I mean, there's fear. We're always afraid. The fear hasn't gone away. It's just like normalized. It's a new, it's like a, I don't know. The Bible says in the last days it's just going to continue. And I don't know what's coming, but, Braxton, but the COVID was like a Braxton Hicks, which I'm not a guru on pregnancy because I'm a guy and I am not a doctor that delivers babies. So... I don't know a lot about it. I'm not married. I, you know, I don't have any kids. So. But I do know that they are a false birth pain. But they come before the real ones. And what we experienced was a false one. It was a Braxton Hicks. You know, the day of the Lord has not come. The last seven years of the, before the return of Jesus has not started yet. But we got to experience something that shook everyone, including the church. <clears throat> and so... As we, I believe the Lord is wanting us to be prepared and say, hey guys, I am coming back. And it is soon. 
So be prepared. I've given you guys signs to share with people, to lead them to Jesus. Because honestly, guys, there's nothing on this earth, there's nothing we can achieve, there's nothing we can gain, there's nothing that we can accomplish or build or experience on this earth that's going to be better than what we experience when Jesus is here. Nothing. Anything that you think you're going to miss out on, that you're going to lose before the time of Jesus comes back, he's got way more. Much better things for us. You want a family? You're going to have a family in the kingdom of God. You want joy? You want a house? He promises us all those things. Peter said, hey, we left everything for you, but what, what are we going to get? And he said, not only will you get houses and lands and all this stuff on the earth, I'm going to give it to you in heaven. That should bring us great joy. Because there's things I want to do, things I want to experience, fun things. You know, like, I haven't been able to go experience all the wonders of the world and see the national parks. You know, there's things I want to do. I always think about, man, I wish I could go skydiving and, like, fly in those squirrel suits because I love watching those videos. And I'm like, but I'm, I just really don't see it happening, you know, in my life. So it takes a long time to get to that level. There's lots of fun things to do in the kingdom of God, guys. God created fun. He created joy. He created games. He created the family. He created all that wonderful stuff for us to enjoy. And it's coming. But while we're on this earth right now, we need to stay focused on the kingdom of God, on the Great Commission. We're talking about the believer's authority because we're going to need to use it. And we're talking about overcoming, taking up serpents and, and, and things coming against us like poison because those things will come. But we can trust the Lord like Paul, like all the apostles. And should the Lord not save our lives just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I'm still not going to bow down to your idols. I'm not going to do what the world says. Period. Who said that? Who said that? And so, the challenge. There's some encouragement, there's some preparation just to get our minds thinking. The challenge. When I thought about that word when the Lord was telling me those three things to sit, talk about, <clears throat> Daniel 11.32 came to my mind. Daniel 11.32 is a passage that is prophetic. It is uh, a list of things that we would see in the last days before the return of Jesus. Um, it's a very interesting passage because you can see a number of those things have happened and taken place in history, and yet God is so mysterious in how he uses prophetic things that are written to also come to pass almost again. And um, it says in Daniel 11.32, those who do wickedly against the covenant, which the covenant in this passage is, the, is Israel. They are the people of the covenant with God, and we have been grafted into Israel through our faith, as Paul states, and I believe uh, Romans 11. So it's against us as well. Uh, this man will do, uh, shall corrupt with flattery, but the people who, it says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Another, uh, the English Standard Version says, 
But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. Taking up serpents is taking action. Laying hands on the sick is taking action. Speaking in new tongues and using that gift is taking action. And those are the exploits and the things that we're supposed to do. But notice the stipulation, and this is the challenge. Those that know their God. If you don't know him, these signs will not follow you, and taking action and doing exploits will not happen. So wherever you are at in your journey in relationship with God, set your heart to knowing him. This is the most important thing above all. We read in Luke 10, 17 through 20, that Jesus talks about, I give you authority over, to trample over sap, serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But verse 20, which we didn't read, says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Your name is written in heaven if you have accepted Jesus into your life and surrendered to him and repented of your sins and seek him. And Jesus tells us to be more excited about that, about what? Being known by him and knowing him. And so that's the challenge that I want to offer you guys, to ask three questions. How deep into the heart of God do you want to go? How well do you know him, and how well does he know you? I'm not saying that anyone here doesn't know him. I'm not questioning anyone's uh, faith or relationship with the Lord, because I don't know everyone's heart. Not my place to judge that at all. These are questions that I'm asking myself, like, all the time. The last message that I preached, I talked about praying that prayer of, Father, take me to the places that I've never been in you and never been with you. It's all about knowing God, knowing him. How deep into the heart of God do you want to go? How well do you know him and how well does he know you? A while back, a few years back, after I moved back here, uh, I was praying and the Lord told me, and I mentioned this at the beginning, that he will take me as deep as I want to go with him. But the glory costs something. And a lot of us, a lot of people, it says, narrow is the way that leads to righteousness. Wide is the gate that leads to hell. The Bible says, few are those who will enter the narrow gate, which means the majority of people on the earth will not come to know Jesus, because the Bible says so. Not because God wants it that way, but because people's minds are blinded, their eyes are blinded, and they don't want to put the time in to seeking the Lord. And believe it or not, a lot of people who call themselves Christians will also not enter at the narrow gate. Matthew 25, which I don't have on here, comes right after Matthew 24. Matthew 24 is all about the return of Jesus. Then Matthew 25 comes, and he talks about, you know, when you've done this for the poor and visited in prisons and fed the hungry and all these things. And he says, when you haven't cared for the least of my... He says, I should just go read it. Make it a lot easier. Matthew 
Verse 31, I'm just going to read this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, this is verse 31, uh, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left. So he's really talking about nations here. Come, you blessed of my father, inherit. Sorry. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, and as much as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. So he says, the least of these, my brethren. This has a double meaning in that it is talking about Jerusalem, uh, the people of Israel themselves as well as people in general. But he is speaking this in context. He's talking about Jerusalem and Israel and caring for those people during this crazy time that they were just in. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Verse 41. Then he will say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did, did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go into everlasting punishment, but, but the righteous into eternal life. There's another portion of scripture where Jesus, where people will say, but Lord, did we not cast out demons in your name and do all these mighty works? And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Which means they couldn't have done those things unless they had known him. Which means at some point, they got tired, they got fearful, whatever may happen, and they turned away because they didn't, and and they rejected the knowing of God and being known by him. And the Lord tells us, if we reject him, he'll reject us. And so I want to challenge us in these days that we live to seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. Pray hard prayers. Pray deep prayers. Dive into the deep things of your heart that need to get right. Sometimes we just cover things up and we say, oh, you know, just, just walk by faith. Just pray this prayer. It's like, no, your heart is a deep, deep, deep well. It's a city with buildings. We were talking about this in the men's group. In the men's group. Your heart is a city with all kinds of buildings. It's very dense. And you have to remove some buildings to put in new buildings. There's things in our heart that we have to remove that God wants us to remove so that way he can build what he wants in our hearts. So dive into the deep things of your heart with God. That is how you get free with him from temptations, from sins that plague you. That's how you overcome fear. You go into those deep places in your heart where you've 
believed lies for years and years and years. And the Lord says, hey, there's a lie right there. Let's get that out. Let's put the new one in. Then you can walk in freedom. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. But you have to engage in the freeing power of Jesus and let him work on the deep things of our heart. And so my challenge is, do you know him? I want to challenge you to know him every day and to seek his face. And you have the right, whenever you see me, to say, Andrew, have you been seeking the Lord? Are you doing the things that you're preaching right now? Because as brothers and sisters, we are called to encourage one another and to judge one another in love. Key. Paul says, I don't judge the world. I have to find the passage. He says, I don't judge the world. No one, I, the, the world's already judged. The people, of, the people of the world are already condemned. We need to go talk to them about Jesus. I don't judge the world. That is just pointless. Don't, there's no need to. But I do judge those within the house of God. And he would encourage them. And he would point things out in love and truth, but in love. Some of us don't have the right to talk to other people as well because you don't have a relationship with them. Okay, so if you don't have a relationship with somebody and you see something in them, you don't have the right to go, hey, what's up? I see you doing this. And then gossip about them behind their backs. We don't have the right to do that. But if I am close, I am close with Pastor Jason. He is close with me. I'm close with many of you. My brother, Maura Lee, Mike, Adam, wherever he is, Kyle, Steve, many others, Rich. You have the right to come to me and say, Andy, are you off right now? Mm, I saw you doing that. Uh, okay. Yeah, I received that correction. Okay? Because I trust them. So those that trust you, talk to them in love. Those that don't, don't do that. Okay? Anyway. The Lord is good. Let's pray. Father, we, will, we love you. There is no God like you, no God who delivers like you, no God who is powerful like you, mighty like you, and no God that is worthy to receive praise and honor and glory other than you. And so we take this moment to tell you that you are worthy and we love you and we praise you and we thank you for your faithfulness to us, for wanting us, for wanting us to see your face we don't deserve to see your face, but you said, that's okay. I want you to see my face, and you sent Jesus to die for us. Thank you for wanting us to see your face and to know you deeply, to know you deeply. Father, I pray right now that all of our hearts will be stirred to seek your face more and more as we dive into this year with you, as we endeavor into prayer and fasting. Lord, that wherever we're at on this journey with you, that we would take another step. Little by little. Just as Pastor Liz was talking about. It's little. It's a journey. It's little by little. We just take another step. Another step each day to know you and to seek your face and to be aware of you. If you're here and you do not know Jesus, you do not know him as your God, and the things that you heard today spoke to you, and you say, I want to know this God, I want to know the God of the universe. I want to be known by him. If you've never received him and would like to, just raise your hand. 
and I'll pray for you today. Or you can come up at the end of service here and see me or one of the prayer uh, leaders, and we will pray with you. So, Father, we give you all the praise and glory. We worship you. We honor you. We ask you to lead us and guide us, help us to walk with boldness, help us to be aware of when you want to perform a sign to lead people to you. And we trust you for your protection that no matter what serpent comes against us, no no matter what poison tries to be offered to us, Lord, you will deliver us and keep us in your care. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, next week, we'll continue with another part of Matthew 16.